0: Hello, welcome back to Anime on the Sea to Sky. We've been having a bit of good weather out here over on the west coast and up the Sea to Sky Corridor. Hasn't really been a lot of precipitation, not a lot of snow, which is good for the roads, but kind of bad for the mountain whenever you want to essentially head up and try to get a couple of good runs in. But it's been a bit of give and take, so we're just going to have to wait for another storm to roll in and kind of just take our opportunity and see where it's going to go. But um, in the midst of the rest of this, the winter 2021 anime season has already been underway. A handful of premieres have been making a lot of ground, some surprising and some more to the vein of disappointing. And a couple with a bit of discourse in between. Unfortunately, that's kind of how the community goes, but... A handful of pieces over the last two weeks have finally been able to go up. In terms of the new Attack on Titan season, its manga is finally going to end on April 9th after more than an 11-year serialization and publication on the time frame. The manga's 34th and final volume will ship out on June 9th. And the first couple of episodes in the final 16-episode season of Attack on Titan has honestly been a lot of setup and just waiting for the drop, just waiting for the page turn and kind of waiting when shit's gonna kind of hit the fan. We've already had a lot of big uh, back and forths between the ideologies of war and patriotism, but in dictatorships and the horrible treatment of those underneath the boot of its unfortunate grasp. But to be fair, all I can say is that it's been a good ride so far, and I'm really curious to see where the rest of the season is going to take us, and how exactly it's going to end, because I can't every time... I go through an episode, every time I have to say this, I cannot have another Game of Thrones Season 8. I cannot have another unsatisfying conclusion for a series that I have been following for, um, for in this case, seven years now. So at this point in time, that's all we can hope for. But in terms of the other uh less uh less prominent shows but ones that are trying to make a splash in the midst of all of these sequels that were originally going to be coming out in 2020 but got pushed back until the year thanks to coronavirus essentially just working its magic but so at this point in time the biggest splash so far of a show that had no expectations leading into it would probably just be wonder egg priority And at this point in time, I haven't given it a shot considering that even though it's been making waves and turning people's heads and thinking, huh, it it is an original uh, through Studio Cloverworks and the rest of it. It's really, I'm really curious to see how that's going to unfold, because I've been hearing nothing but positive things about it, and the discourse and the hype, not necessarily hype, but its movement, didn't necessarily move until its uh, first episode, and did nothing but impress on its debut. So I'm really curious to see how that's going to be moving forward. But in terms of shows that have essentially been looking for a long time coming of an adaptation that's been bringing through, in, in terms of a web novel or a web comic that was Originally made back in 2007 and only got an official publication a few years after its release, but has been nothing but positive and nothing but sought after for its adaptation that's been leading into this season, is Horamiya. And that broke the record for the most-watched debut of a romantic comedy on Mal inside of its first episode. And honestly, jumping into it, I was having a good time too. It was really nice, it was a tad quickly paced in terms of how the relationship between the two mains is going to be going through so I'm really curious to see how that goes but it is a white as as somebody said before it's kind of like a white bread rom-com but it's had such momentum and such a huge following for over a decade now and those who have been looking for an adaptation for this have just been nothing have had nothing but positive things to say about it in the beginning and the same can kind of be said for me so i've been really enjoying it so far and kind of waiting to see how that goes in the midst of all of this we finally got crunchyroll to announce its nominees for its fifth annual anime awards Ah. Uh... Last year, I'm kind of glad that it was a lot more uh, diverse in terms of the shows that were coming and going. Of course, you would see a lot of the uh, returning champions, like My Hero Academia, going through and taking a lot of it. But in terms of what's going to be coming up for the 2020 Anime Awards, it's it's kind of a weird season. And this is definitely one that I haven't necessarily voted in a lot of the categories, considering that last year was just the fewest amount of anime shows that I had watched inside of an entire year. I had still picked up a couple of shows, especially the longer ones like Yu Yu Hakusho and Hunter Hunter, that had been sitting on my backlog for years and finally found the opportunity to get those off my list, but in terms of the ones that aired and actually decided to debut inside of 2020, it was incredibly underwhelming. Not for the shows themselves, but just the the total amount of quality that jumped through for the loss of it, you are at least able to get at least one show every season to kind of take the reins. Cause I mean, in terms of like the most popular uh front runners for these ones, you've got B Stars, which of course technically aired in 2019, but it didn't get an official Netflix release until 2021. So or 2020, B Stars is finally going to be getting a couple of nominations, which I'm going to be glad about. Great Pretender is going to be in the front runner for a lot of the categories, and as much as I dislike and really downplay the final eight episodes, the final arc that this show was able to go through, what it was able to accomplish in its first three arcs, and essentially what it had as a story as a whole, was vastly more entertaining than a lot of the shows that came out in that year, so I'll definitely give it props for that. The new Shonen Runner that essentially came through over the course of this year would definitely be Jujutsu Kaisen, so I would definitely, even though, I mean, like, it just started in fall of 2020. And it's already been nominated for so much, and the fact that they could actually do that just for a show that only has 12 to 13 episodes out, and just began at the near end of the year, and only has a fraction of the story told, the amount of awards that it's getting is kind of a little ridiculous, so I'd rather it not be so much put on the front runner. If anything, I would give it best ED and best opening of the year, like, by far. Like, I'll just automatically give it those but for the rest of it it really needs to like get some more depth and expand itself for another for another couple of seasons before i even put it in the same wheelhouse as a lot of the other shows coming through i would imagine that the one show that i'm going to be looking forward to the most and i hope gets the most amount of uh exposure and recognition and rewards would definitely be keep your hands off azokin because that was definitely my favorite show of the entirety of last year and it came out what january 4th and it's kind of unfortunate that not another show kind of was able to top that over the course of the entire year but to be fair it was just that good so i'm legitimately curious to see how much it's going to be able to pull off over the rest of this but to be fair there's still more than enough quality even in a smaller quantity than the majority of the years due to the circumstances so i'm going to be kind of curious to see how that's going to be moving forward so moving into the final bid that i want to talk about before i get into this week's topic i'm pretty sure next week i'll start talking about to see how the rest of the premieres go for the winter 2021 season but for now uh, miss kobayashi's dragon maid second season has finally gotten a premiere date for july which is going to be in the summer 2021 season and just foregoing going what the proportions are like for the new character that just got introduced. I am legitimately just overwhelmed with happiness and kind of seeing that this might be the this is gonna be the first television series that we're gonna be able to get post Arson inside of Kyoto Animations, uh, just tragic backstory that it was leading into several months ago. It's it's just really enjoyable and just fantastic to see that this is gonna be at least For us, the first television series that they've come back to with, because unfortunately, the original director, uh, Yasuhiro Takamoto, he was one of the tragic victims inside of the arson attack. And the fact that this show was able to just bring so much happiness and so much joy to people around the world, including myself, and that even though we're going to be having a new director in a new season, which is great, the fact that it's not going to have his personal touch is definitely going to be something that's missing and there's not really much else that can bring anything more positive to that, but the fact that he was able to create this shortly before his death is still... I don't know. It's it's just sad. But in terms of what Kyoto Animation was able to create before this, and definitely I'm hoping they're going to be able to do just as just as much after this tragedy, after this second season... It's going to be... It's really weird, because I still believe that Kyoto Animation is probably my favorite studio, even before and after the tragedy, considering just how much breadth that they're able to cover, what their studio means to the industry in terms of actual living wages and salaries and careers for those that go through the animation schools that they have set up in Kyoto and Tokyo that are actually able to... Uh, mature and give more experience to those who are coming into the industry and actually not have to break their back over small wages and something that's able to go through so of course they don't make as much as the majority of studios that come out of japan but it's the quality that they're able to give and what they're able to accomplish in the most of it is definitely not to be understated Without a doubt, they had their biggest influence inside of the 2000s, which, at the time, I wasn't really an anime fan moving through, but in terms of the shows that they were able to produce, in terms of Air, in terms of Full Metal Panic, Fumofu, and Second Raid, and Haruhi, and Canon, and Lucky Star, and Clanad, these shows probably had more influence in terms of these 2000s than the majority of them that came out in that same decade. Um... I never did get around to the visual novels that they were able to go through, like air, like canon. I did get into Clanad, and although it w- I thought it was great, I didn't have the same personal connection as a lot of others did in the majority of uh, in the majority of the time that it came out. Um, I, dr- I, I, I might have to go back to it, because I tried to watch Lucky Star um, back in, like, 2015, and I dropped it a couple of episodes in, so maybe I'll give it another chance at some point, but it's just, I don't know it definitely feels like it's out of a different time that in terms of the references, in terms of the tropes and the characters and everything else, it was definitely, it's probably the only show of Kyoto Animations, no, the second show of Kyoto Animations that I draw, but in terms of the majority of their catalog, the amount of positive reinforcement and just quality that I've been able to get out of these guys is nothing short of amazing, and then of course you can't necessarily like go through without talking about Haruhi and what he was able to do in terms of the impact that it brought to the culture in the middle of the 2000s like there's I, I it's going to be a long while before any sort of show like reaches up to that uh not necessarily the quality but that kind of impact that it's able to move through and let go on um kaon is definitely just a it, it's so sweet It's definitely one of those shows that it it can either be an immediate turn on or immediate turn off. Like in terms of like it is the cute girls doing cute things show, and I highly doubt that any other show that comes and tries, considering what it was able to bring and the trends that it was able to set, trying to get just any sort of girls inside of any sort of school club to do any sort of uh, niche hobby, they. They tried to emulate that same sort of style, but it never really fit, considering what it was able to accomplish. And then in terms of what um, Yamada Naoko was able to accomplish in not only the second season and the movie that was able to come out, and what they were able to accomplish... And what they were able to make and accomplish inside of that span, and and inside that of a time frame... Yeah, no. It was... Yamuna Naoko is definitely now one of my favorite directors of all time, and what she was able to accomplish was just in the beginning of her career with this show, and, and able to adapt it and evolve it beyond just the four, uh, just the uh, comedy manga that it was able to, that it was based off of, is nothing short of uh, telling a bit about her skills. So, moving on. Comedy-wise, we've still got a bit more under their belt, considering that Nichijo while it wasn't really my cup of tea in the beginning, what it was able to evolve into, and the breadth and depth of its jokes, on top of the fact that it was able to be backed by such stunning production and animation techniques that were able to enhance the jokes that were moving on into such a greater degree of comedy, because it is it is weird, there's some overarching stuff, but a lot of it is episodic, but a lot of the jokes do hinge and come off of a lot of what came before it, and the fact that it's able to move forward at such a brisk pace, but still retain a lot of its comedy through the majority of its runtime, and stay funny, which a handful of comedy shows that come out nowadays struggle to accomplish, is definitely nothing short of a statement of its quality. And so, yeah, Nishijo, although it didn't hit me as hard in the gut, as many as it was able to make many more laugh than what I was able to accomplish, it's still, like, telling what they were able to do with such a limited amount of resources and source that they were able to accomplish. So, I mean, that's definitely going somewhat of a strength of theirs. So they do a lot of adaptations, as it seems. What? But my favorite adaptation, possibly my favorite show of them, mm, no, I'd say their best show in general probably go to Hyoka, and even though it was one of the show, the first shows that I ended up watching as I was getting into this fandom, uh, even though it did make a bit of an impression on me in the beginning, nostalgia factor definitely doesn't come into play. Because of the two times that I decided to rewatch this series, it only got better. Especially over the course of the years, going through and seeing how many anime take place in high school, how many different shows have the exact same cookie, cutter plot, and setting, and pacing. What Hy- Hyoka is probably, to me, like, the best high school anime of of all time that I've honestly seen, because, I mean, what it's able to accomplish and the relationships it has between its four characters and the fleeting romances and the will-they-won't-theys that go through, on top of the production, on top of the unique direction, on top of the quality of its adaptation, and definitely the only bad thing that I can say about the show is that its first arc is the best, and it's only in huge quotation marks downhill from there because the first arc was like a 10 then the rest of it's like a 9 9.5 except for the swimsuit let's go to the public pool oh yeah. You, you can kind of just leave that out of out of it and just kind of let it die by the wayside but what it's able to accomplish in its 22 episode runtime and all that it's able to show by quality and direction alone is something that should be looked back upon and studied and just inspired to move forward, but moving on from that, the first show that came in afterwards, uh, Chunibyo, was kind of like a hit and miss, an up and down, left and right roller coaster. Sort of in terms of just my care and my expectations and my feeling towards the show, where it just didn't really, I mean, the first episode got me in, but what followed didn't necessarily, like, have this, the quality was definitely not up my alley, although in terms of the look into mental illness, and in this case, the, uh, the Chunibyo syndrome, or the 8th grader, 7th grader, whatever it decided to go through with, I can't remember the number, it's been so long, when it delved into, like, what kind of the trauma, or what trauma leads into somebody acting this way and kind of being able to get themselves out of a rut, not only through their own personal experience and drive, but with the help of the friends that they have inside of their own circle. It's definitely something that's uh... Yeah, it is definitely something to be looked upon and praised in that degree. It's... just the cast is a little too wonky for me to, like, appreciate. It just wasn't really something that went through. Uh, Utah and... Jesus, I can't remember this name. Who is it from the our anime podcast that hates it? I think it's Panic. Panic would just absolutely smite me for not knowing. Rika, that's who it is. Considering that the second season didn't really hit the same notes as I thought, like, introducing the new character wasn't really much of a plus for me. So, it, it, like, it kind of just downtrodden in the second season, which has gotten me to hold off on watching the new film. I think it's called Take On Me. Which, even though it was incredibly positive and everything else was uh, coming out of it with praise and positivity and just uh, happiness, especially considering that everybody who watched it seemed to enjoy it, I might have to give it a shot for the first time in a while, but it's it's on the backlog, but it might take me a while. Um, so, I initially dropped Tomiko Market when it was airing back in 2013. I guess it was just... I didn't like the style and the characters in the implied romance. Especially Dara. Dara was just... Too fucking much. It was... He was... He was the biggest turnoff in the show. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. Like, he was... He was probably the one that just did not... Get me to like the show. So that was definitely an awkward one. Um, And so I held off on it. And in the Valentine's rewatch... That happened in 2016 when I came back and revisited it, it was so... I, I, I don't know if it, if it was just I was not really in a good headspace at that time and I was a little downtrodden and not really feeling like much could kind of move me. Not a lot of Kyoto animations work or anything that was coming out around that time really could get me out of the funk that I was sitting in. And I watched the first episode of Tomiko Market again and the environment and the atmosphere... And the love that the market is able to generate around Tomiko and the rest of the cast was definitely more than special to me. And it was definitely a better opportunity inside of the uh, regular uh, Valentine's reward schedule, considering that I was in no rush to consume this show. I was in no rush, even with the love that I felt towards it after the first episode aired. I was thinking, no... This needs to be savored. This needs to be enjoyed at a brisk pace, and it doesn't need to be rushed. Because I want this feeling to last, and I want to come back to the show at the end of, which in this case was a very tough stretch of university days, that I could always come back to it and always have that an episode of that lined up, especially leading into the film that came out a couple years later. It's definitely... Of course, when I say Hyoka is probably the best Kyoto animation work, Tomoko Market is without a doubt my favorite, for sure. And it's something that I really recommend everybody should give a opportunity and give and give a watch. Our anime always has, so Tay, so Fate Still Taylor, always has a Valentine's Day rewatch coming through, and if there's any recommendation that I can give throughout the month of February, Tomoko Market would definitely be one that I would wholeheartedly give its strongest recommendation. Free- <laughs> now, free... Free was a weird one because, of course, I didn't necessarily watch it because, oh man, strapping young anime lads who are always shirtless and are always swimming. It was just definitely not my thing. It was definitely a thing for the entire uh, female demographic because this was the point where Kyoto Animation realized, oh wow, this demographic hasn't been pandered to for a while, and this is definitely something that they could work off of. So it was just ridiculous seeing how fervent the fan base was for this show and I know that there's been a sequel season I know that there's been a movie and I know that there's gonna be another movie coming through but I, it'll take me a while to jump back to free and just kind of figure it out because I'm just that <laughs> I'm just that uh, weak inside of my sexuality but um I'll just have to wait and see and give it the opportunity when it, when the time comes uh, Kirkkiraana was definitely a nice it was a nice addition to the catalog I thought it did a good job the fetishizing was just something that was a little off for me because it didn't necessarily line up to me it's like yo so main dude has a glasses fetish and the other main dude has a sister fetish and it's like okay not my fetish so you guys can go enjoy that and i'll just leave that by the wayside but what it was able to accomplish in the 12 episodes was definitely a fun supernatural thriller moving forward the (laughs) not the vocaloid not the singing but just like the filler the one filler episode in the middle of the run like just brought me to tears of laughter at the time and it's just definitely one of my favorite episodes to go back and through i did also watch the f- sequel films that came out uh, a couple of years later and i would still give those a recommendation as well especially for like the gift that happens at the end of the series where all the characters are just getting back together and like hugging considering that everything is- seems like it's going to be fine and just <laughs> the just the one shot of my dude just glopping his best bud after a trials and tribulations sort of ordeal was nothing short of fantastic. Amagi Brilliant Park was also an addition, kind of the same deal, nothing that really grabbed me or just kind of brought me onto it. I know that this show brings a lot of joy to a lot of people, but it just didn't necessarily lead into something that I was too interested in. So, yeah, I guess at that point in time, you'll just have to wait and see. And if it's based on around a theme park and if there's anything that can like bring you back to the days of uh, Disney or Universal Studios or anything along those lines that I would definitely recommend giving this show a watch but um, I think moving forward there was just a couple of years like I said that was kind of like middling and going through and not really in between but um, it definitely came back with uh, Sound Euphonium it was yeah no it's it's probably one of my favorite works uh, outside of the company, like, mm, would I consider it? Would I consider it the? Fi- it's definitely top five. It is. The, it is in the in that range throughout the majority of its work, especially due to the quality, especially due to the voice cast and the production and the storytelling and what they're able to accomplish. Where it's like, I wasn't really much of a band guy. The closest I ever did was doing. 2 months of trumpet back in elementary school and never really moving forward around that then trying to get into guitar then just falling off on that as well in if hindsight is 2020 20, if there was any instrument that I'll probably jump into it would probably just be drums but um in terms of, I never tried the winds, I never, like, brat. the closest I got to Brass was the trumpet, and maybe if I was watching this show when I was nine years old, then maybe I would have gotten back into the trumpet a little more, considering that Reina is definitely, like, one of the biggest positives. And then Kumiko is no slouch either, giving t- to me, basically, my favorite voice actress inside of this entire industry, uh, Tomio Kurosawa. Like, she... <laughs> her, her voice compilation, or her noise compilations, definitely, if you... If, if a voice actress is able to generate one of those with such fervor just off of those like little personal notes that she decides to add to every single one of her performances it's definitely something to be betrothed because she has that in every single one of her roles that and the major ones that have been going through and... Uh, I think she also has a role in, like, a brief role in uh, Yuru Camp's second season that's coming out uh, over the next month or so, and I can't wait to see what she decides to bring, or that comedic or realistic tone that she goes through. The only weird uh, scenario that I had with the series was that when I went to go see the third, uh, so basically the sequel movie, is that, for some reason, the theater wrote it down as the subversion, version, but it was the dubbed version, and although I still enjoyed the movie to a degree, not being able to listen to uh, Tomio Kurosawa in the lead role as Kumiko was definitely a little bit of a negative and nothing to say about the rest of the English cast because to be fair, going from the Japanese dub to the English dub was not too hard of a whiplash, but it, and it was, and it was still a good dub. It's just that I was, I have, when you have that much familiarity to a voice cast and how they're supposed to sound, it definitely kind of takes away from the experience that just that kind of whiplash moves forward. Okay. But yeah, I don't know not really much you can do there um a silent voice interesting as a as a directorial outing uh yamada naoko once again hits it out of the park as the one only issue that i had with this movie was that i read the manga first and as an adaptation it's not that good but as an overall movie it definitely stands out on its own so i mean yeah I would definitely give it a positive and definitely a recommendation to anybody who's looking for that kind of a film. But, uh, yeah, I would definitely give Silent Voice a recommendation, beyond a shadow of a doubt. And then, like I was saying before, Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, joyful, hopeful, kind, timeless. Everything that was, every, like, positive adjective that you can go through, is it was just such a fun time and just such an amazing... Uh, just homey feel towards anybody and I can't wait for the second season that's going to be coming up this year because it's like I said before it just gives so much joy to everybody that was able to watch it and that's I really hope that somebody would be able to find that same joy as well in terms of like films another one Liz and the Bluebird I would I probably liked a lot more than uh, a Silent voice Uh, it's I don't know the relationship that you have between uh, Liz and Misere, or not not Liz and Misere, uh, Nozomi and Misere, um, it's so soft and caring and stressful and just hopeful at the same time that you really, you really want them to find happiness in each other, whether it's just in a relationship of friends or something more. I would definitely give it a wholehearted recommendation after watching Sound Euphonium, as it is just another side story that was moving forward with Yamada Naoko. Again, she cannot miss. I have not watched a single piece of hers that I've found something that I just that I can't necessarily enjoy. The Violet Evergarden film, which I still haven't seen, and was technically the first outing of Kyoto Animation after their arson tragedy, I can't wait to go watch that because I really enjoyed Violet Evergarden. Not as much to the degree that a lot of others did, but I still really, really, really want to see how... Uh, the rest of it goes through. I did watch the special that they went through with essentially going to an all-girls school and then moving forward with her life, even though the main character had to leave behind the her found sister and was incredibly painful and hard for her. I would definitely want to see where the movie goes and if it's relatively a sequel or if there's anything more beyond that. Oh yeah, and I guess there was also this special where it was based off of a, a a musical. And so that that was really good. And I think I like that a bit more than the one where they essentially went to the all-girls school. So I would so it's got specials, it's got a movie that's going to be coming out into the West at some point in time, so I definitely recommend giving it a watch. What are the last few things that are going to be moving forward and coming out with? Cuz that's the last television series that they ended up putting out before uh, 2019 would have been Sarune and it was like one of the most middling shows that I have out of Kyoto Animation one that I skipped over that I recommend nobody watch would be Myriad Colors Phantom World That is the that was the second show that I dropped out of Kyoto Animation and I dropped it like 8 episodes in because I just couldn't really deal with it anymore, I could only go so far with my just uh, servitude and just uh, adherence to watching almost every single Kyoto Animation series that comes out uh, so just don't watch Myriad College Fan World probably one of their weakest works Sarude was just it was a nice look into into Kudo which is just a modern Japanese martial art focusing on archery and I just really enjoyed the camaraderie that the main cast was able to go through its final episode is probably one of the strongest productions or send-offs to one of their shows that I've ever seen and it was just wholesome I guess seeing these characters come together and Watching them try and succeed and fail, but still move forward as much as they could. So, that's... And that's just kind of one of the mantras that Kyoto Animation goes for. And it's moving forward. And even though, with the tragedy that they were unfortunately incurred with, that, of course, it couldn't have happened... The The worst thing I could say about it is that it couldn't have happened to any other studio. Like, considering that Kyoto Animation is just such a beacon... Of light and hope for the industry, and for something this horrific to happen to them in general was just something that really took me and a lot of people around the world out of it, and I don't know, if I ever do get to visit Kyoto one day, I'll definitely go around and pay my respects to those who have given me and so many others so much joy and so much happiness inside of our lives, and that there is possibly no other way that we would be ever able to repay them.